Hi, I'm Kate Spina. This is Toward Light, Practical Buddhism for the Modern World. Each week I explore ways to apply these timeless teachings to our daily life. Hello and welcome to episode 30 of the Toward Light podcast. The path of Buddhist practice can be talked about as having three areas of focus. Wisdom, the Pali word is Panya, Ethics, Sila, and Mental Cultivation, Samadhi. For many of us in the West, we come to Buddhism through the mental cultivation door, through meditation. Maybe we're told in therapy or by a friend that we should learn to practice meditation to calm ourselves. So we often get introduced to mindfulness without understanding these other two aspects, the Panya and the Sila. One of the reasons I love this path is because of the emphasis on Sila, unethical behavior. Sila is important all of the time, but right now, with the recent election in the U.S., where in my mind there is some uncertainty if 71 million people have ethical standards that take anyone else's well-being into account, it seems like a moment to really look at this topic. I've always been a bit of a rule follower, and being raised in a Christian church, I was taught the commandments and the golden rule. Being raised in an upper-middle-class white family, I was taught a lot about manners and politeness. So there were external rules and forces telling me how to behave and letting me know what behavior was right and wrong. And so I would sort of blindly follow that, and even if it didn't feel right to me, or if it wasn't the right thing for me, I would keep doing it anyway. And if I quote unquote broke the rules, I would be filled with a lot of shame and guilt, even if again, it was something that was right for me. When I found Buddhism, I more deeply began to explore and cultivate what it means to have my own personal ethics outside of set rules and regulations. Yes, there are some training rules in Buddhism, which I'll be talking about today, these precepts. But they are taken on with an attitude of a hipasako, this come and see for yourself. It's not a this is how you do things because this is how you do them. It's a this is a suggestion. We've seen it work for us. Give it a shot. See if it works for you. The teachings on Sila for lay people are presented as a personal exploration that allows each of us to come to our own understanding of what is wholesome and unwholesome, what leads to freedom and what does not. It is important to understand the personal nature of these precepts as I share my thoughts on them, because you may or may not agree with my interpretations, which is fine. You'll find your own way with these. Each precept is a deep topic on its own, and I'm only going to be sharing a bit about each one today. So if one feels especially rich to you or really speaks to your experience right now, take it on and see how you can understand it more in your life. And as you're listening to this, really start to question what are your personal ethics or how do you see how ethics show up in your life? How do you know when you're on a path toward freedom and how do you know when you're not? One translation of the five precepts is, I undertake the precept to refrain from destroying living creatures. I undertake the precept to refrain from taking that which is not given. I undertake the precept to refrain from sexual misconduct. I undertake the precept to refrain from incorrect speech. I undertake the precept to refrain from intoxicating drinks and drugs which lead to carelessness. 
This is a translation from the Pali Canon, and it's the form of these precepts I'm most familiar with. I chant them daily in Pali, and as I'm living the precepts in my life, this is how I think about them. I am going to link in the show notes to a different translation of the precepts that comes from the Vietnamese Zen teacher Thich Nhat Hanh. So if you're interested in another interpretation, I don't take on the precepts fully the way that he writes them, and I think parts of it are very beautiful, and I want you to see other options. So click on that link if that feels interesting to you. Again, each of these precepts has a lot to them, so I'm going to just briefly go through each one. The overarching theme for all of these is reducing harm, causing less pain and suffering in the world, in our lives, in others' lives, letting go of unskillful behaviors that negatively affect us, the world. So this first precept, refraining from destroying living creatures, so not killing, not taking life. Sometimes we can gloss over this one. Well, I'm not a murderer, so no big deal. But it's important to know that there are lots of ways we take life. We eat meat, kill bugs, and other household pests. There are ways that we interact with the environment that directly or indirectly destroy habitats and kill living beings. We need to come to our own understanding about where we do take life and how to do less of that. So a couple ways that I work with this precept is I do still make the choice to eat meat, and so I pay attention to how often I eat it and where it comes from as much as possible. Is it being ethically cared for, ethically sourced? Another way that I work with this precept in my life is when I'm dealing with a household pest issue, I make sure that I'm doing the most humane thing, whether it's doing a trap where I can then release the animal or the least toxic option. I remember several years ago sitting at a retreat and somebody asked Bhante Silananda, a monk at Bhavana Society, they asked him, so okay, so you got a cat and then the cat gets fleas. What do you do? Do you kill the fleas? How do you manage this? Do you just have a miserable cat with all these fleas living on it? And Bhante Silananda reminded us that when we take on ownership, whether it's of a cat or a house or whatever it may be, we are creating some dukkha for ourselves because we are creating these situations where we need to make choices about how do we deal with things. We can try and reduce harm. So if we need to get fleas off our cat, we can try the comb method first before using a toxic chemical. But at the end of the day, if we own things, we are going to take on some dukkha and we are going to have to make some of these difficult decisions. And I appreciated that reminder from him. So noticing in your life where you might be taking life and any ways that you feel like you could reduce that even a little bit. The second precept is to refrain from taking what is not freely given. So that's not stealing, right? Also, not using resources that aren't ours or taking more than our share. Again, it's one where we can say, oh, I'm not, I don't steal. But if we're using office resources, maybe printing stuff at work or using a work account to do something personal, you can notice when we're in situations where food's being shared, are we taking more than our share? You can also take time and energy from other people right? So sometimes if someone says, hey, how you doing? And I want to totally unload, 
I need to check in with them first. You have the time to hear the real answer to that question, you know? With this precept, this is a really good time to look at the difference between need and want. So sometimes we can take more than we truly need because we want more. Whether it's, again, like food or clothing or money or time, whatever it may be, sometimes we need to get really honest with ourselves. Where's the line here? Is this truly what I need or is this just craving showing up? couple things that I'm looking at around this precept uh, is one is around food shopping and trying to only buy what I need so that I'm not wasting food or not throwing food out. And that's such a, I hate when I end up doing that. Sometimes I do this, I buy too many vegetables and then I don't cook them in time and then they go bad and then I have to get rid of them. And that's a waste and not using my resources well. So that's something I'm looking at. Another piece that I'm looking at is when I feel very possessive about something or very clingy to something, that feels like a moment to be generous or to notice what I'm hanging on to and can I let go. Noticing in your life what you take that may not be freely given, not shaming yourself for that, but getting curious about how you could potentially cause less harm. This third precept is refraining from sexual misconduct. In the teaching, what's specifically talked about as sexual misconduct is having sexual relations with people who can't consent for themselves, so children or people under the protection of their family. Also, the importance of honoring commitments, so not sleeping with monks and nuns and not sleeping with people who are engaged or committed to another. Other than that, it's quite wide open. There's a lot of room for interpretation. I think it's really important to look at power dynamics around sexual energy, sexual misconduct. Sometimes this can be a pitfall for people where they don't notice that one person holds more power than the other, whether it's a meditation teacher and a student or a boss and an employee or a very wealthy person and somebody else. But there is something about making sure that we're clear that when we're entering into sexual relations with another person, that we're both aware and present. I really appreciate how broad the interpretation of this teaching is because there's no room for shaming, right? Like there's really so much room to live the sexual life that works for you as long as it's not causing harm, as long as you're not hurting others. A couple ways that reflecting on this precept has been important to me is that I've needed to look at harm on both sides. Sometimes I have been good about making sure I'm not harming my partner, but haven't really checked in with myself about what do I need, or is this action or doing this thing that my partner would like me to do, is this harmful for me? So that feels something really useful that has come out of this precept for me. And then the other piece is around just the importance of presence, of seeing that just like any other phenomenon that's changing, sexual desire is changing all the time. And what I may want or need in one moment might be different in another moment. What feels safe and good in one moment may not feel that way in another. So really allowing myself the opportunity to be present and check in with myself in the moment so that I make sure I'm not causing harm to myself or my partner. Again, for yourself, really checking in, like where in the realm of sexuality could you be placing some attention or where might there be some harm and how could you reduce that? 
This fourth precept is the precept around refraining from incorrect speech. I talked about this in episode 12, if you want to go back and listen to that. A short version, we're refraining from lying, harsh speech, inflammatory speech, gossip, and idle chatter. Speech is so all-encompassing. We talk so much, not only to one another, but all the different mediums, whether it's online or in person, on the phone, formally at work, informally through text. Speech is such an important part of our lives, and so it really behooves us to bring attention and see how we can cause less harm here. One useful litmus test is checking in before we say something. Is it honest, kind, timely, and useful? That can help us stay away from the lying, from the harshness, from the idleness. You can really see, okay, is what I'm saying right now honest and kind? Is this the right time? And is this useful to say? In my life, a couple ways that I have worked with this precept is my internal speech can sometimes be quite harsh. And so I've had to bring attention to that, to noticing how I talk to myself, judgmental speech, and really working when possible to let go of that, or at least to catch it and try and then say the opposite. And another way I've had to work with my speech is sometimes when I'm on the phone dealing with the phone company or the electric company or whatever, I can get pretty impatient. And I've had history of being pretty harsh with my speech in those moments. And so really bringing awareness to those moments and making sure that I am rested and fed before I get on those calls and make sure that I'm bringing attention to everything that I'm saying and making sure that I'm not being harsh or impatient or rude or whatever. In your life, can you think of any places where you've been causing harm with your speech? Is there any way that you could reduce that behavior some or put some attention there? And the final precept is this Fifth precept of refraining from intoxicating drinks and drugs that lead to carelessness. Some folks abstain completely from intoxicants. Some folks draw a line before carelessness. Again, this is really personal. We all need to explore this for ourselves. I'm in addiction recovery, so I refrain completely. There's a story of a monk being told by his abbot or whoever that he had to break one precept. And so he went through the precepts and he said, okay, you know, I will break the fifth one because that only affects me. Like I will just get intoxicated, but I won't be stealing from somebody. I won't be harming somebody. So he gets intoxicated and then he breaks all the other precepts, right? Like when we're careless, when our mind is clouded, then we can't keep the non-harming at the forefront of our mind. And we can't always keep the precepts that we're trying to. We can't always keep ethics at the forefront of our hearts. A couple of ways I've worked with this precept is I am constantly asking the question, like, what are intoxicants in my life? What are things that shut me down or close me off or take me out of presence? When do I feel like I might be getting careless? And how can I catch that and who can help? Again, these are questions that I ask myself not so much around intoxicants like substances, but intoxicants like my phone and watching too much TV and some of the behaviors that sort of check me out or take me away from the present moment. In your life, when do you get careless? What leads you to carelessness? 
what helps you to come back to here, to now, to this. So this is a brief overview of the five precepts. I hope you can see the usefulness of this exploration and how this overarching theme of non-harming and these more specific precepts can help us to form our own ethical compass. If it feels hard to even know where to start, sometimes it's helpful to look at our behavior and notice the behaviors that we do that are of the most benefit to ourselves, to the world, and, and see what's driving that. that. That's our ethical guide. That can help then point us in the direction of crafting more guidelines for ourselves so that we can be of more benefit in the world and cause less harm. And so just like where I landed at the end of the episode last week, there is this real idea that if I want to be living in a more ethical world, if I want to be surrounded by people who also care about this, then then I need to put this in the forefront of my life and I need to, you know, the Gandhi quote, be the change I want to see in the world. So I hope that this has been a useful exploration for you and may we all find ways to cause less harm when possible to ourselves, to those around us, to those beings seen and unseen. And may all beings be at ease. Thank you so much for listening. The links are in our show notes. You can find me on Instagram at towardlight108 and the website is towardlight.net. If you have any questions or feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Be well.